The Fake Show Podcast welcomes our newest sponsor, Expand Laces. Never tie your shoelaces again with the original no-tie system, now in 40 colors. Go to expandlaces.com. That's X-P-A-N-D. The Fake Show is also sponsored by Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studios, Moonshot.com, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. Well, Jamie Lynn Sigler is, of course, best known for her role as Meadow Soprano on the acclaimed HBO series The Sopranos, a role she played on all 86 episodes spanning from 1999 to 2007. She also had a recurring role on Entourage and now a new film called The Neighbor in the Window. Please welcome Jamie Lynn Sigler. How are you? Hi, Jim. I'm good. How are you? Oh, so good. Thank you. It, it's so great to talk to you. Were you here recently when Mobtown did its premiere at the Mob Museum here in Vegas? I was actually filming this movie, and that's why I couldn't be there. Yeah, I know a few people were here in town like David Arquette. What, what was that experience like for you? Oh, my God. I had so much fun on Mobtown. Danny, who played my husband in the film and directed it, um, I've known since I'm 18 years old. And so um, to make a film with like an old friend and, and have so much fun and anything kind of period I love, anything mob I love, obviously, um, and to play like this colorful character was just a so much fun for me to do. Yeah, and it was one of those stories that I I thought I had heard most of the uh, of the mob stories in the past, but this is one that I hadn't heard. Yeah, me neither. Me neither before I started the film. So it was definitely a lesson in history as well. And how important was it for you to uh, finally come forward about your MS? It's pretty well chronicled now, but after being diagnosed so many years ago. Uh, I mean, I think it was important more because it was keeping it a secret was doing more harm to me than any good. Um, And I realized, you know, also as a mother and having two kids and, you know, bringing them up in a world where I would like to tell them that anything is possible and everyone's deserving of opportunity and what makes you different makes you beautiful. You know, I wasn't leading by example there and I really needed to kind of take a note from my own advice and, and trust that, you know, people would still hire me and I wasn't going to be defined by it. And uh, so it was just an important moment. And it, it was a long process for me to get there emotionally and mentally that I could accept that. But once I did, I'm very glad that that was a decision that I made. I know that you found out, I, I suppose, when you were still doing The Sopranos and James Gandolfini sort of sensed that something was happening with you. Well, I mean, I think that they could see that not not necessarily sensing that something physically was going on with me, but emotionally. I mean, he could see that I was kind of much more quiet, much more reserved, keeping to myself. And so, you know, as any good humans should do, you know, he reached out and was somebody that I felt safe with and comfortable that I could confide in. And it was one of the first people that I told. By the way, uh, everyone that I've talked to, I've had a couple of your castmates on over the years, Lorraine Bracco and Steve Sharippa, Michael Imperioli, who say that the experience was just the best ever. Oh, the best, 100%. Just, uh, I mean, the greatest job in the world that was so fun and we would have long breaks and then come back like it was like school starting again and 
it was 10 years of our lives. So, you know, we were very, very lucky. You were so young. I mean, were you kind of observing what these other veteran actors were doing and maybe absorbing some of that? I would say yes. I think it was just a lot of, you know, of watching and studying and, and um, appreciating and understanding. And I think more than anything, just also to how people handle themselves off camera and you know it was nice because everybody everybody had a life and we all were from New York and lived in New York so it was like you know you would do your job and then you'd go home and it just didn't feel like anything anything extra special or extra different it was almost more when we came to Los Angeles or kind of stepped out of our little bubble that we would realize what the show meant to people otherwise it was the same job you know for the 10 years that we did it right you know and I, th- I think the mark of a great show sometimes is I, I mean I'm hearing from a lot of from Friends who say, you know what, I'm rewatching The Sopranos now. I mean, it was just that yeah, good. Yeah, it's very cool to hear people say that, you know, that this is their second, third, fourth time redoing the whole series. And also, I, just, I think a lot of people are, are um, experiencing it for the first time because, you know, they're being told with such great television that's out there today. Now people are kind of wanting to go back and watch, you know, the beginning of all of that. And it's, it's cool that we're a part of that. It really was, right? I mean, it, it kind of started this whole revolution of great TV that we could watch on cable. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I read an interview with Edie Falco. It was a recent interview and she addressed rumors that, I mean, we know about the prequel that is being done, but she was talking about rumors of a sequel. And she actually had a moment with David Chase where she said, "Eh, maybe it's time that Carmela becomes, you know, the crime boss here. Ah, how cool would that be? I know. (laughs) Especially if we could see her as Carmela again. So we all know about the end of the show, The Sopranos. It was kind of open for interpretation. And I had heard one theory about David Chase, and that is that he kind of left it up in the air like that, just in case there could be a sequel someday. I don't know. Maybe. I could see that being why. Or it could just be that he's just, the brilliant man that he is and right had a, you know because if you if if tony died there would probably have been half of the audience that was really upset and vice versa so it kind of left it for you to decide i know everybody jokes about how the fact that you were parallel parking or something at the time yeah. uh, <laughs> and that may have saved your life if if anything did happen to everybody else right yes i mean i th- or if anything it definitely added to the tension um the yeah. moment of trying to figure out what in the world is happening and what's about to happen. Yeah, I was just left feeling that this was the most incredible ending I had ever seen. I mean, it was kind of like the end of the Blair Witch Project and something where you just had to really kind of, in your own mind, think about what had happened. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I think that was the show in general that they tried to, you know, have it be was it really thought provoking because if you think about it, the beloved character of Tony Soprano wasn't necessarily a good human. You know, he he was a cold blooded killer and a really conflicted man. But as an audience, we were rooting for him every step of the way. Did you meet his kid, Michael, who's going to be in this prequel? Of course. I've met him many times over the years, and um, we got to reconnect at the 20th anniversary, and he's just, I know Jim would be so proud of the son that he that he created and Michael is a wonderful boy and young man and actor and I'm really excited for all that he has coming up 
in his life. Your latest film, The Neighbor in the Window, sounds really great. It's obviously it's a thriller. What can you tell us about it? Um, it's a true story of, of these two women, and this woman moves to a new town, and she has a neighbor that seemingly is lovely and kind, as they all seem in the beginning. And um, things start to unfold rather quickly. And like I said, it's a true story. And it's uh, it was a very fun journey to take as a character of just sort of like the human experiment of how much can one person take. And uh, it's, you know, and it's everything, you know, people love about a good Lifetime movie. A lot of drama, a lot of right. crying and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and this type of story, I tell you, it's the reason that neighbors don't talk to each other anymore right, right? Yeah. Right? in the neighborhood. Yeah, very true. <laughs> the Neighbor in the Window, it's on Lifetime. Jamie Lynn Sigler, so nice to talk to you. It, it, you it's uh, certainly an honor. I, I've watched you for years. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, thank you so much for your time. And good luck to you in the future. Thank you. I appreciate that. Many TV critics, and you know, it's hard to argue, have said that The Sopranos, was the greatest show in the history of television. It sure is right up there. And remember, the neighbor in the window on Lifetime. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. 